So welcome to this edition of The B Word, the show where we demystify everything to do with B2B branding to get to what it really is, how it works, and why it matters for businesses. My name is John Galpin, co-founder of Branding Agency Designed by Structure, and your host for today's episode, in which we're going to talk about category design and associated rebranding, and how this can help businesses change the conversation with prospects and shift from a nice-to-have to a must-have. So joining me today is Christian Moisset, co-founder of Tenzo. Welcome, Christian. Great to have you here. Thank you, John, for having me. That was great. You got the, you got the Moisset very nicely done. Excellent. Glad, glad to hear it. So Tenzo is a data and analytics platform for restaurants, integrating restaurants' point of sale, labor, inventory systems, providing a single source of truth around how a restaurant is performing and insights into what they can do to improve. We work with Tenzo to design a new category and rebrand the business. And that work saw a really important customer-focused positioning shift from for the business, from you know what the business does to why it matters for restaurateurs. And we're going to get into that a little later. But let's just start, Christian, by learning a bit more about you know you and your journey with Tenzo and how you started out. So I think the, the super interesting thing here is that you were a foodie. You worked in the restaurant industry with your own restaurant chain, Hummus Brothers. So join the dots for us, Christian, and how this led to the idea for Tenzo. Happy to. So it all started off when, when I studied computer science at uni, and that's where I met actually the both the co-founder that I set up Hummus Brothers with, but also the co-founder I set up Tenso with. Um, so we, th- how did Hummus Brothers start? Like computer scientist and restauranter, like it's not like the obvious. It's obvious not the, choice. it's not the everyday story. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, the number of people when I was telling them, yeah, I'm going to set up a chain of, hum- of restaurants that sells hummus. Everyone was like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? But what happened was Ronan and I, who studied computer science together, we would spend a lot of time uh, studying together. And whenever we'd meet up, we'd eat hummus with whatever else was in the fridge. And and the reason for that was Ronin was originally from, from Israel. And really, we just came to a realization that it was something that everyone really ate, right? Hummus, like it's, it's vegan, and it marries itself with lots of different foods. And you know, we thought, you know, should we go out and see if other people would like it as much as we do? And so we did the, the we tried doing some, some, some food stands in, in London. We actually started in the, in, on Spitalfields Market in the old Truman Brewery. We, we went the first day with our, with, with a vat of hummus that we'd cooked in our kitchen. And we were like, you know what, we don't know if people are going to know, so we're going to give it away for free. So we served, we served, and, you know, when you give food for, away for free, you know, everyone loves it. Yeah, everyone loves it, and no one was yeah. giving you any negative feedback, right? They were like, "Thank you very much." That's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. And and really, we 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 went on this journey of like discovering that actually there was a lot of people that were very passionate about hummus and 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 really liked the idea of like eating hummus with different toppings, and that led us to set up our first branch on Wardour Street in Soho, and really we grew that to six locations, and we were doing about five six hundred pop ups a year in across London in different corporate canteens and really it's there that I saw the problem that we're solving at Tenzo which was that first of all running a restaurant is the freaking hardest thing 
I have ever done. It is so difficult because it's very operational. There's a lot going on and there's, because it's very operational, lots of things go wrong, right? Like, so, you know, deliveries don't come on time or like members of staff don't show up on time. And it's, it's just very, you know, being open 300, 360 days a year was, was difficult, right? And what made it really difficult was that it's a margin business. And because of that, you have to be on every single detail, right? So in a restaurant, you have three main levers. You have your sales, your labor, and your inventory. And really, you need to make sure that equation is maximized every single day. But the problem is you've got all this data all over the place. And the people who make the decisions are your general managers in the restaurant. And actually getting that information really simply in the hands of a GM is very, very difficult. I initially tried to solve it by like just having an Excel. And most, most restaurateurs do this. They take an Excel, they copy and paste all the information. They run their analysis and send that Excel to the GMs. And the GMs will typically turn around and say, it's always late. So by the time you send it to me, it's not relevant. There's always a mistake because it's such a manual process. So I don't trust it. And so you're just in this infinite loop of not being able to like operate efficiently and profitably. And that's what leads 70% of restaurants going out of business in their first year of operation. And so that's really what led me to set up Tenzo. So, so a few dots there for you. Yeah, no, be beautiful. And yeah, I think, you know, so restaurateur turned technologist. So, so tell us a bit then about what, you, what, you, what you've actually built since you started Tenzo in, in 2016, because it's pretty significant in terms of, you know, the number of different things that you now integrate with, the amount of data that you're kind of pulling in, you know, into one place to kind of solve the problem that you've just, you know, how you just nicely kind of crystallized for us. Yeah, so there's kind of three main pieces we've built. So the kind of first bit is really we need to bring all this data together. And and, and you guys helped us come up with, with the right word for this to aggregate all this information. So number one is you've got all this information all over the place. You need to aggregate it into one place. And, and as you pointed out there, there's a number of different systems out there. So we've built 70 different integrations to different POSs, which are point of sales where you enter your sales labor tools where you record who's working at what time and inventory tools where you're recording how much uh, purchases you're making of stock. We also bring in things like your reviews from TripAdvisor, Yelp, Facebook. And so there's a whole piece of like bringing all this data in real time so that you don't have to go and manually go and copy and paste it. The second bit is we really analyze and predict off this data. So what, what does that mean is you're really needing to be able to visualize it differently and being able to predict what's going to happen next week differently based on who you are in the business. If you're in head office, you want to look at it in on your on your on your computer. You, you've got a nice big screen. You want to look, but if you're the GM in the restaurant, you just want to have a really simple view on your phone of that data. So really, we've built a whole infrastructure around being able to display this data on web, on mobile, and making sure that it's very easy for you to engage with it. But also we've helped understand how does, what do you need to do next week? One thing is reflecting on the data, looking backwards, but the next thing is really looking, what does this mean for next week? And then finally, and this is like, this is really the most important piece of it is how do you get people to act on it? It's all well and good to get all this information into one place to be able to visualize and know it, but if no one's doing anything on it, that, that, like that's not helping. Right. You need yeah. to be able to see as a restaurateur where where is there an opportunity to sell more? Where is there an opportunity to save on wastage and reduce your wastage? So 
we really have built out those three, starting from aggregate. So when we started in 2016, we really started building the aggregate. Then we really built this analyze dimension of it, then added on predict. And then finally, really the last piece, which we're really actively working on now is this act. And really, we've got some customers who've been on this journey from us from the day one, right? If I reflect on like London brands like Caravan or Marcella URC or the Upham Group, which are still customers today, you know, six years later, where they've really been on this journey with us and like seeing how this can help them operate their business more efficiently. Yeah, I think what's really great about this is that, you know, you, you've kind of gone from your, you know, as you characterized it earlier, kind of just fighting a battle to kind of get stuff in Excel. And, you know, I, I guess as soon as you've done that, that information's already, you know, out of out of date. So that kind of you're stuck in that loop as you as you as you characterized it. But but actually what, what's really interesting about the kind of analyze and the act part is the kind of is the transformative value, I guess, that that can unlock for a for a restaurateur, right? In terms of the you know, the profitability or the margin that's kind of just left on the table that otherwise they would, you know, never, never have got to. Totally. I think you caught out two really important things there. One is how quickly the data goes out of date. So when I was running Hummus Brothers, one, one trick we would use was we train the team to say, if it's a nice warm day, which clearly in the UK in the last few weeks we have not had, <laughs> but like, you know, if it's a nice warm day, we'd, we'd have this drink called the mint and ginger lemonade. And it was really good because people would hear about it and, oh, mint and ginger, oh, and lemonade on a nice warm day, it's going to be great. And if you, if you got the team to say, instead of say, asking, would you like a drink with that, sir? If you said, would you like a mint and ginger lemonade with that, sir? It makes your decision much easier. It's a yes or no. Oh, that sounds great. Yes, I'll have one. And we saw that if you train the team to do that, you would increase massively the amount that you would sell of this drink. Mm -hmm. And you, we'd make about 90% margin on this drink. So it had a really massive impact on the bottom line. But the problem is to get your team to do that, you need to tell them right after lunch, this is how well you did. If you told them a week later, they don't remember how they tried to upsell and if they tried something different. So you need to shorten the time of experimenting to really be able to get that real-time dimension. And I think the second point you really make that's important there is making sure that you connect to the action so clearly what needs to be done. Because, you know, restaurant GMs are not data scientists. So, you know, you need to be able to figure out what it is that they need to see so that they can make a very quick decision as like, this is what I need, because they've got to attend to 15 different things on one day, right? They don't have time to spend an hour looking at this data and really looking at what they need to do. They need to see quickly, okay, this is what I need to do with my team and take that decision quickly. Yeah, just building on that as well, I, I think, I guess that, you know, you mentioned customers that have been with you on the journey, which is always really kind of great to hear. And, you know, thinking about, I guess, successes, right, that you've had along the way, both from a sort of customer point of view in terms of impact or, you know, you know, business growth on, on your side, what, what would you say are the things that stand out, Christian? So I kind of think about this in, in, I don't know, maybe a, two or three different ways. You know, there's clearly the success of like having these customers that have joined us on this journey. And I, and I think that in this, you know, you've got the, 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 the brands that you're really proud to have, you know, like the Nando's, the Fat Ducks, the TGIFs, the Vapianos, like both a collection of very prestigious and very well-known, right? 
but also you have like the ones that have been there from the start, like, you know, the caravans of the world, yeah. where, you know, we're still very close with them and we've seen how they've evolved as a business and how we've evolved. We've built such a like strong relationship between our teams. It's, it's great. So there's kind of, there's that type of win. There's also the win of, you know, the team and, and I guess the people who are on this journey with us, right. It's like the fact that we've been able to get some uh, fantastic uh, people that, I get to work with every day that I'm just excited to come to work with that. That is, that is like, you know, something that you feel very much every day, right? Like, it's like, oh, that's cool. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to be working with these people on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and, and also investors that fall in that way, right? Like investors that like, that you get them to join, join you on that, on that journey. And I think the final one is really the, the impact we've had right and it's just really being able to hear when a customer comes back to us and says hey you know we've reduced our wastage by 80 percent or we've increased our, you know the, the the labor productivity by 15 percent or you know we, we've turned from being loss making to profit making right and that kind of like the impact that you've had on these businesses and on and and also on the planet because of that is you know very very rewarding yeah, awesome. And I think, you know, the restaurant industry itself, the restaurant industry itself, as you know, I mean, obviously had a pretty tough time during COVID. And I think, you know, it's quite interesting to, to when you start to talk about, you know, sustainability and how, you know, Tenzo, Tenzo can kind of help businesses kind of reduce waste, reduce their impact on the environment. And I think what was interesting in the, the announcement that you made recently when you um, raised the you know the, the funding round that you've just that you've just closed that actually there was talk about the focus of kind of using AI to kind of go even further with this right so it'd be great to kind of talk about I guess your vision for the future and the kind of cool things that you know Tenzo has cooking right right now yeah yeah so so there's this unsustainability of the restaurant industry in three dimensions, if you want, and where where we're really working to make it sustainable. Um, And I think the three dimensions are the following. There's one, 70% of restaurants go out of business in the first year, right? So there's one about like, and and the reason for that is, is you've got a lot of passionate restaurateurs that go in who realize how hard a business it is to run. And it's compounded by the fact that you can't even get to grips to the data that you need. And in the, in an industry where it matters even more so than some industries, because it's all on the margin and it's all in real time. There's a, an element that's of sustainability for the teams that work in these environments, because it is very stressful to work in a restaurant, right? Like you're running left, right and center. It's high paced. And often, you know, your like decisions get changed at the last minute. And again, this is not helped because they don't have good predictability of how much am I going to make in revenue next week? And therefore you're, you're making decisions that you're having to like take people out of the road at the last minute and it's, it's stressful for them. And then finally, there's a sustainability in the, from, from the planet point of view where the, the waste, you know, the, the amount of waste that, is, that restaurants generate, I mean, at a global level, they're talking about it being 500 million tons of CO2 that I emitted from this that, of this food waste that's that's generated and a hundred billion dollars worth of like lost revenue mm-hmm. so really that that's those are the kind of problems we're trying to solve and so w- where AI comes into this is really thinking about helping predict next week so typically what a restaurant does it takes what they call a four-week average so they'll say how much am I going to make next Monday I'm going to take the average of the last four weeks 
and say that that's what I'm going to make next Monday. And they'll plan the team and the amount of food they order in based on that. The problem with a four-week average is you've got like bank holidays that come in, you've got uh, seasons that change, you've got other events that happen, holidays, you know, school holidays, and all these things actually throw off this four-week average massively constantly, right? And so what that means is that the restaurants are either under-preparing, over-preparing, and it basically either means that they're not making as much as revenue as they could or they're just throwing away food. And when I ran Homeless Brothers, I tell you, no restaurateur goes into this wanting to waste any food. It is, it is just so depressing when you're there having to yeah. throw this food, but like it's just because you don't have good visibility of what's going to make. So what we've done is we use, we get all the historical data from our customers. We, we layer on events, the seasons, you know, whatever calendars they have, marketing events they have. And then we use AI to really predict what's going to happen next week. So it will be able to like improve that prediction by between 30 to 50% which has a huge impact because then they uh, can know how much chicken to put in the oven at the right time, how much food to order in and how many people to have to make sure that they're not wasting. And, and, and so, you know, you can imagine you can, the, the, the impact here is not two or 3%, right? You can really like improve their, their, their prediction by 30 to 50%. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think the other thing as well is I guess time is a dimension in this as well, right? Because, you know, there's 24 hours in a day, but there can be a lot of variability across a day in terms of, you know, what happens in the two hours in, you know, the lunch window or the evening period relative to the, you know, the quiet spots in in the afternoon, for example. And you can, I'm assuming you're going to be able to get much more granular with, you know, what needs to happen actually when in time. 100%. If you take Nando's as an example, where we help them understand how much they, so in Nando's, they pre-cook the chicken in the oven and then they fill it, finish it on the grill when you come in. Um, and so the problem is, is well, the problem. It takes thirty minutes to cook the oven, the chicken in the oven, and then they can finish it in a few minutes. But if your your expectation about Nando's is you walk in and you'll get your food five, maybe five minutes later, right? So they need to pre-cook the oven. Typically, what happens? The queue starts building up at lunch. The general manager gets stressed and just says, "Fill the oven, put as much chicken as you can in the oven." They cook it all, and then they've got too much, and then they they have to either hold it for a period of time, which makes the product less good, or they have to throw it. Here, we're able to give them more visibility, not just by seeing the queue, especially for a more junior GM that has just recently charged, started, they might not know. It's really helping them say, hey, on a, on a Thursday between 12 and 2 p.m., this is how much you typically use, this is how much you should put in the oven. And therefore, it gets them a much more accurate number and keeps the customer happy, but also make sure they don't waste too much. Yeah, beautiful. Comes back to that point that you made earlier about giving people you know, the data to act, but do it, do it quickly. They're not data scientists. Just, just, just tell them straight, let them kind of make the decision in the moment. Love it. So to, to, just to finish this up then, Christian, what does success look like for, for you and for you and Tenzo? So, so today, like we, we serve 1500 uh, restaurants teams across the world and and we're in about 20 different countries. And really, like what success looks like for us is really making sure that we can help restaurants across the globe. I think this is really a problem that's not just limited to, you know, to the UK or to, to, or to the West. It's like it, it is a global problem. And we think we can have a massive impact on this. And really, what I want to see is knowing that Tenzo is in the pocket of every decision maker 
delivering at the right time, the right insight to the right person. And I think by doing that, we can be serving hundreds of thousands of restaurants and actually having a massive impact in reducing that 530 million mm. tons of CO2 that are wasted every year uh, and, and reducing that meaningfully, right, to 30 to 50%. Awesome. Great. Thank you. So let, let's move on to the to the work that we did together then. So the category design and, and the rebranding, the work that kind of came off the back of that. So I think what was really interesting is that when we first met, you actually already had a very clear idea that you wanted to create a new category. So you, you kind of identified that you were solving a, a problem perhaps that no one else was, and you were looking for some some help to kind of bring that to life. Where, where did that need to design this new category then come from? Tell us, tell us about the the, what led to that moment, Christian? Yeah. So I read this book called Play Bigger, which I know you're you're familiar with, which I think, like, when I read that book, it really made me realize that actually we are selling a product that doesn't fall into a very well-defined category because we were really selling, so we do business intelligence. We also do forecasting, but when we, and, and so there was no word to really describe that, first of all. So when we were talking to people, we were kind of saying, hey, we do this. There was no easy way just to say in a quick way, this is what we do and this is how we help. And what we also, real, what, what this book kind of helped us understand was that if you do this, you can have a really meaningful impact on your performance right, on the performance of the business, because suddenly it makes sure that the whole teams are aligned, they all are aiming towards the same goal, that customers really, prospects and customers really understand what you're selling. And it makes the job of like actually jumping on a demo and, and convincing someone to buy something, they're much more aware of what you're doing. And we and, and all of, like, we could see clearly that we were being held back because we just didn't have this category defined and this is why we came to you to, to, to redesign this category yeah i think what's interesting in what you just said is that the, in, in terms of the way that you were describing it you know data analytics and and forecasting i guess the bit that's kind of missing from that is the is the why which is kind of wrapped up in a lot of the kind of backstory that you've kind of just given us in terms of in terms of how you you know why you started tenzo in in the in the first place so it's kind of almost like you know bottling that and trying to figure out a way to actually describe describe that so that any restauranter can, can can kind of understand it so maybe let's just talk about a good a good point there where i just want to just reflect on one thing you said there we understood why we do but we had never really vocalized it and i think the real insight that you really helped us unlock was why do people need to look at this data right why do they need and ultimately it's not they're not buying analytics for the sake of buying analytics they're buying analytics because they want to act on it and have impact from it. And really, no one's really sitting there on the boardroom saying, oh, yeah, I need to go and buy a data packet. They're saying, OK, our performance is not doing so well. Why is that? Well, you know what? We need to go and analyze it and figure out what we need to do to do it. But it's really starting on we need to act to improve our performance. And that's really yeah. what you helped us like really shine a light on. And I think that was a well. There was a really interesting statistic I seem to remember that you had in one of your um, decks around the you know the percentage of margin that potentially was being left on the table, right? Because restaurateurs didn't have the data in one place, and they weren't able to generate the insights from it that that allowed them um, 
to act. You know, those kind of insights, I guess, led us to the category, you know, restaurant performance ops, which is very much around, you know, how do you kind of bring everything together and, you know, and, and drive operational performance in a way that hitherto you, you were unable to do because of all of the problems that you mentioned earlier, scattered data, not in the palm of the GM's hand, you know, they having to make kind of decisions in the moment that weren't often, you know, based on gut instincts, as I think you've you've mentioned many times. And, you know, often those decisions, you know, putting more chicken in the oven at lunchtime, as you mentioned earlier, was 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 were wrong. So how does that tell us a bit more about the category restaurant performance ops and and how that now enables your business relative to kind of where you were before? So I think it's it's like it's helped in two very important ways. I think the, the first one is really getting everyone on the same page, if you want, right? Like in the business. Um, I think until we'd really done this exercise, we were more or less all aligned, but there was not really full alignment. And I think this really helped us to really say, okay, this is what we're going to deliver. This is how, and this is why it's important. How does it fit in? So I think it really just helped align all the elements of the business. And I think we had some really important debates as part of this to really get to this alignment. I think there's the internal alignment, which I think to me is so important because now I think when we talk internally, people know where we're going, they're passionate about the mission we're on and they, and they get that. And um, so I think that's number one. I think number two is the impact that it has on our day-to-day conversations with existing customers and with prospects, right? And in particular with, you know, with prospects who, Restauranters are very busy. You know, everyone's busy these days, right? Everyone's got like a million different things that they're doing. But I'll tell you what, restaurants, this is a different, like, it's a different level, right? These guys have got a lot on. And really, you need to be able to jump on a call and or go and meet them in person and go and really, like, really show that you've understood the problem that they have and how we can solve it and also help them understand why this is better than the alternative of like going to like do this themselves in Excel and do this in Power BI. And I think before the the rebranding, I think a lot of it was, I was using, you know, my experience as a restaurateur, still do, but like we're leaning much more heavily on this. And I think this is starting to help us be like, Hey, this is a solution. It's not just because Christian has seen it at Homer's Brothers. You need it. Like, it, this is clear. It's, it makes it a lot clearer for the whole team and our prospects and customers really understand that. And that is game changing. And, and just, I'm just thinking about the, the point you made about internal alignment. So, how, where do you see the, the real benefit in that? So, I guess from a sort of product development point of view, you know, is that kind of helping you kind of figure out more clearly the things that you need to build from a sales point of view? You know, do you see kind of greater alignment in terms of the way the business is being kind of presented externally? Just be good to understand what that alignment kind of practically, you know, results in from a, from a business point of view. 100%. So, so first, so I think there's internally, so teams that are like on the same page. So I think it's very important that like your product team and your growth team are on the same page to understand what needs to be. And that's not an easy thing to do. I think it's very, it's, um, especially in a hybrid context, I think that's become more difficult. And I think you need to be able to make sure that you communicate clearly like what it is we're going to do. And I don't think we've got it perfect yet, right? But I think it's helping us 
massively in that direction and really be like, okay, there's these three bits, aggregate, analyze and predict and act. So first of all, it means that growth and product are speaking the same language because they understand, okay, this is going to help on aggregate. Okay, this is going to help on the analyze and predict. This is going to help on the act. So I think that first of all, there's that alignment between growth and product. And, and, and as you say, within product, if you say, well, do we want to, to work on that? Does that help us like move forwards on one of these dimensions? And I think just having the same vocabulary across the whole mm. organization is, is one bit that really helps you make sure that the teams can work and like deliver on this, right? Because I think before there was slightly different vocabulary. This is just now starting to help us bring through the same vocabulary. I think there's also the stakeholders, for example, our investors, right? When we're communicating to investors, what I've added at the beginning of our of our board deck now, and at each board we go through the the mission statement, vision statement. We're like we're saying, hey, this is why we're here, right? And I think just being able to like have that super clearly, so that at the beginning, because our investors are not just focusing on our business and our, you know, we have a touch point. We we speak to them regularly, but like you know, at a board meeting, it's quarterly, and therefore it's kind of just bringing them back and be like, hey, mm-hmm. remember, this is why we're here. So really being able to, and I think that is fundamentally when you're making these difficult decisions, where should we invest and like, what should we be focusing on? And, you know, for me, focus at this point is so important. This really helps us figuring out, okay, this makes sense. We need to focus on this. And yeah, great. And and, and thinking about, I guess, the external side of the, the coin. So, you know, you mentioned right at the start that when you were out in the market in the earlier days, it was sometimes quite hard to, you know, describe describe who you are, right, in a succinct way that people can just understand. So have you seen any kind of sort of customer shift in terms of the way that they understand what you're offering, you know, based on the kind of category construct, restaurant performance ops, and and, and, and the problem that that's kind of designed to, to solve? Definitely. First of all, we're early days, right? We're three months into to, to having to having launched it. Although you know, the team was so excited by the work we were doing that, you know, things started, you know, getting into decks a little bit, sales decks a little before <laughs> we, we launched, you know, like, you know, when we were like from from surviving to thriving and, and we were trying to say, no, no, we, we're going to go live with this in a big bang way and we're trying to hold back. But there was so much excitement around there and they could see. And, and to me, that's what really validated that we were going in the right way is that the sales team was like, we need to get our hands on this. This is yeah. freaking epic, right? So, so I think a hundred percent. I think there are there are conversations with very large customers that we are having today that I am really not convinced we would be having in the same way had we not had such a clear way to describe it. And I say, why do I mention enterprise or the large customers in particular? Because I think when you're working with a large customer. There are so many different stakeholders that need to be communicated with. And you can't do the communication, i.e. you build this champion and then the champion then does it. And so you need a really easy way for the champion to be able to relay that message. And if the and because that message around restaurant performance ops and the message of being like, this is not just about getting, you know, this is not a BI tool. This is about making sure that our operations team can like impact the, the performance of the business. That's a very, very, very strong message that your champion can go and evangelize within the organization where you don't even, you might be feeling super passionate about this and and be able to communicate it well 
me myself to them, but you have to rely on them to communicate it to other people in the organization. So I think in that way, it's had tremendous mm. impact. I think in other ways, and, and we're just at the beginning. Let's just mm. be very clear. You know, we're three months in. I think you know, there's, there's, we're, we're going to continue seeing a lot of this. I think the, the, the other one, which is not specifically on the category creation, but you've really made the brand grow up, right? Like, you know, we, Adam and I commissioned someone to make the initial logo. We paid them $5 to, to come up with, you know, the logo. Adam and I spent a lot of time coming up with the name, which we were so happy when you decided not to change the name because we, we, we loved the, the, the name we, we, we'd come up with. But I think how you've made the brand really grow up, it's having an impact and this is not specifically the category, but I think it's really how we present in front of these customers. Mm-hmm. These customers, they're like, okay, this is a grown-up brand. These guys yeah. know what they're doing. I think the two things kind of go hand in hand, and I think it's quite interesting just listening to what you were saying about the kind of enterprise conversations, because there's no there's no one person right within these businesses that's probably responsible for restaurant performance. It's spread across a number of diff- different roles, and I think what's really interesting here is that. You know, it's about kind of giving you the kind of tools and the ammunition to go and have a conversation with, you know, either at the top or with a kind of department head, but in a way that can help them cut across departments. Because what you're ultimately trying to do here is bring many functions together in one in one place. So it's not just about data. It's also about people and teams, right? Yes, very much so. Interestingly, we, we the team's done some analysis on like we're calling it the persona funnel, i.e. how many personas mm. of MQL go to SQL, go to close one. So, so marketing qualified lead to sales qualified lead to close one. And what we're, you know, what we're realizing is that really, and this is more at the SMB end of the, the market, but that you need, you know, the MD CEO, the finance director and the ops director, because as you say, one of the big, benefits of putting Tenzo in a business is that you bring transparency across all these organ, all, all these functions, right? So that now ops who was working independently from finance, who was maybe not connected with the CEO as regularly, they're now all seeing the same data. There's not 15 versions of an Excel flying around yeah. with like different numbers and everyone's confused. And so because of that, we need to know how to speak to all of those. And because of that, you need a very clear message to really be able to communicate it easily so that they are like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Of course we need this. And I, you know, we had a demo yesterday and, and we, there were three partners. So there was the POS, there was the loyalty, and then there was us. And you know, the, the, our sales who was doing this, the sales piece on our side did their presentation with restaurant performance ops, a couple of slides did it. And then the customer, the prospect right at the end of that is like, oh yeah, we just need tens of their reaction was like, we just need Tenso. And in two slides, and we were the shortest presentation, they, the customer didn't say that after the other two partners, but they said like, immediately. And I was just like, this is where we see that the message yeah. is coming across clearly and simply, and it's getting the customer to say, at the meeting, we need this. This is great because, and it's really great to hear you say this, because, you know, often the big problem that we encounter is that, it takes, you know, a, a technology company 30 slides and a demo before the client has even understood what the hell it is you do. So, I mean, the fact that you're, you're, you, you've you been able to do that in, in, you know, in two slides and after that, they're saying, yeah, we need this. Great. That's like, that's a really great sign. So, yeah, super, super good to, 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 to hear that. 
So just moving on, just so just think about the way that the uh, how we work together, and I guess what you thought before you commissioned the work, and you know what the, what the experience of kind of, um, of of going through that was like. Just just tell us a bit about actually what your expectations were, and how, how did the kind of process feel? Were there any kind of difference differences between what you thought at the beginning and what kind of came out at the end? So. Honestly, I was quite anxious before the the process started because I like I was just like, you know, how are they how are we going to do this? Like I read the book, all makes sense, but like you know, we spent four or five years building this and figuring this out, and we think we've got quite a decent pitch, but we know we have a problem. When we're by no means like the reason we came to you is because we knew that it was like very far from being good, but we were also like. I was a bit fearful because I was just like, mm-hmm. well, how's it going to be? And, you know, how are we going to really figure this out? And so there were uh, like, there was a bit of apprehension before mm-hmm. going into this, into this process. Looking back, I really, I love the process you put us through. And, and in a way, not do I, not only do I love the end result, and I think it's, you know, speaking for itself and, you know, it's like getting us a lot of great success, but I think, the process was really important, actually. And, and honestly, I, I, I can't say, oh, I had a really clear idea of what the process was going to be like. I honestly just didn't know. Like, I was just like, I suspect we'll have a bunch of conversations and, you know, you know I guess maybe they'll interview some, some of our customers. But, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. I was just like, okay, mm. I know where we are today. I can see the end point, And well, I'm hoping there's a good process here because I don't really see how we're going to do this. And I think what was incredible how you really took us through a process and held our hand through this process and helped us go through this process. And I'm sure there were a number of times where it must have been very difficult for you too, because you were hearing about lots of different things and trying to bring together, you know, what these different customers had told you and then what different people in the organization had told you and like, and and trying to bring this all together. And I think, and I think the process helped us really learn about what we need to focus on, what is important for our prospects, how to communicate it more clearly. And I think the process itself was very important. And, you know, even like choosing things like colors or when you when you unveiled uh, the, the, the sprite to us, you know, like we wanted to keep a bit of this fun side of the brand. And I think you really helped do that in a great way that works so well without it being cheesy or, 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 or you know, that an enterprise customer would be like, well, that just seems a bit like gimmicky. You know, it really lands in a way where it like it, it, it kept that and actually went a step further without making a gimmicky, which was amazing. So I think reflecting on it, I really enjoyed it. I think it helped the whole team and everyone who was involved in it really understand what it is. And I think that what it meant was when we, unveiled it to the rest of the team and went live with it everyone mm. was not like thinking i'm not sure about this thing you know it's, everyone was like they built the, the trust in it and they believed in it and they were like gung-ho let's go and do this this is amazing yeah awesome and you use the word trust at the end there which i think is um is, is an important word in in this as well because you know, from our, our perspective, this is not about just sitting in a, you know, in a room and just cooking stuff up, right? It's well-researched. We play those findings back to you. We rationalize the decision, we rationalize the thought process 
and try and make the whole process as, as objective as possible. So it becomes less about what someone likes and it becomes, you know, more informed by, you know, data points that we can kind of capture along, along the way. So, you know, just from, from your perspective, you know, given that you were quite fearful to start with, do you, do you feel that kind of trust was kind of built across that, yeah. the, the journey then? Big time, big time. Yeah. Because I think you're right. It's it, you, I think you would synthesize what you heard and you would play it back in a way where, you know, you were kind of bringing supported evidence to it, right? So it felt like it wasn't just like you, you were conscious of building that trust through the process because I agree with you. I think what, like how this could have gone wrong, I think is us, I, I could see that if we didn't trust you, then this would be a disaster mm. because we, you'd come out with something where you'd just be like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm going to launch it. I'm not like, you have to be like, yes, this is going to be amazing at the end of it. And of course you go through ups and downs through it. You're like, yeah, I'm not sure about this. And, and, <laughs> and you have to go through that because it's not a straight line. It's not an obvious, mm. otherwise everyone would just do it and it'd be easy. Mm. Like you have to go through this exploratory. And I think that exploration really builds that trust ultimately. And a hundred percent. I mean, you know, I like now I say to Lizzie, if there's anything, anything remotely branded related, like we're speaking to John, <laughs> let's just go and see what John thinks, because clearly we'll get, you know, we're 100% trust you on this. On this but yeah, and that's that's great to hear. I guess the other thing I was just listening to what you're saying as well is also, I think anyone going into a category creation or category design exercise, I think you need to be open minded, right? And, and open to challenge, because actually, you know, ideas that you may have kind of held before are not necessarily the thing that kind of comes out the other end. I think, okay. um, I don't know how you feel about, I mean, you guys are very open-minded. As you said, you, you trusted us to go away, gather data, tell you what we think it, you know, what we thought it meant and what we should, what we should do with it. And I think that's super important because if you're, you know, not able to do that, then why hire an agency in the first place? Because, you know, they're, they're they're only going to end, end up doing what you say otherwise, which which may not be the right thing. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I, I think you like as a founder, I think you have to do it at the point you're convinced that. It, like, I think if you do it reluctantly, I think that's a probably yeah. a bad place to start because yeah, you have to be convinced that this is going to make a positive change and you know it's, there's times along the way where you're, you're like oh, i'm not sure about this and you, and you, and the iteration gets you to a good place but i i, I yeah 100 agree with you that you can't to a certain extent it's quite a i don't want to say long process but it is you know i don't think when i look back on it i don't think there would have been a way to do it faster or anything i think you have to and there's some thought and you know there's some ideas that you're attached because you've been selling it one way or talking about it one way for four mm -hmm. or five years so obviously you're 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 attached to it and you think that works and you've you know i've i've i fine-tuned the way i explain tens over those four or five years so it's not just suddenly oh yeah let's stick the switch and i'll explain it differently so you one needs to be convinced that that's the right thing and um, so yeah you need to be going in it with mm -hmm. an open mind but also convinced that there is a way to get that to a better place and i and i think reading that book play bigger really helped to to understand what is the potential impact this could have? And it, and it's, and it's massive. 
So just to help wrap us up then on that note, then Christian, so if you were to give, you know, what advice would you give to another founder that's kind of thinking about designing a new category and the kind of rebranding that, that comes that comes with that? So I would definitely say read Play Bigger. Yeah. I think that really helps understand like why why one should do it. At least that's the journey I went on. I think that that really helped. And I think that if you like if you're in conversations both internally and externally where there's not full alignment, where people are maybe talking slightly differently about the product or where you need to spend more time explaining the product and you know it takes an hour to get through a demo to really get people to be like oh yeah okay now that makes sense this is cool i think this is where they really need to lean in and change this because i think there's two things that are difficult in my well there's many things that are difficult in a startup but like i think there's two things you really need to like get right one is obviously build an amazing product that's that gives a ton of value and that people really like like want to understand how they're going to use it to do it. But secondly, you need to be able to explain that so simply and so quickly, because if, if you can't, then you're not going to get it in front of the right people and they're not going to buy it. So your product might be amazing, but yeah. if you don't get that piece right, you're not going to get it. And so if you see elements of that might not being right, then you need to be looking at this. And I mean, I, I would do it with design by structure. Like, honestly, I mean, I, I, I think the experience was incredible we, we yeah, had a, and it was a fun time it was a, it was not just a incredible results and like really made us think but it was also a fun a fun uh, a fun experience likewise and certainly our experience and it's great to hear you talk about the power of clarity and simplicity because you know that's kind of what we're we're, we're all about and if you can boil things down where people just kind of get it and understand it that has immense power and that is kind of often half the battle um you know for, for businesses that are, have all sorts of challenges you start at the beginning get that right and then all of the other stuff will, will follow so christian thank you so much it's been great to talk to you today really enjoyed the conversation thanks john it was a pleasure to be on thanks for listening and don't forget to join us next time on the b word